Do you know what I use to record these podcasts? It's Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or a computer. It's all really, really easy. It's all really intuitive. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast. Good morning. Welcome to Breakfast with Kent for Monday, December 23rd, 2019. Brought to you by the great people at Today's Dentistry, Dr. Mike O'Neill, the best dentist that there is. He's been my dentist the last 25 years. I enjoy my visits to Today's Dentistry. This is how good Today's Dentistry is and how positive a place it is. I actually like going to the dentist. How about that? Give him a call, 317-849-2933. It is still not too late. To order your copy of Oops, this is the art of learning from mistakes and adventures. I wrote it, 37 chapters uh, of me screwing things up and then learning lessons from them so I don't screw up again. You can learn from my mistakes and laugh at my mistakes. You can't get the hardcover shipped in time for Christmas, but you can order the audiobook. You can order the ebook as well. They're electronically delivered so you don't have to screw with the post office or UPS. FedEx, whatever. Let's talk about sports. Anyway, you go to Amazon and and search Oops Kent or Oops Sterling, and there all three options will be. If you want to wait for the hardcover, which I recommend, you go ahead and do it because, you know what, these last forever. That's why I wrote it. Let's talk about the Colts. Naheem Hines. Like, we're going to talk about anything else. Naheem Hines yesterday. Three punt returns, 195 yards, two touchdowns. Never been done before in the history of the National Football League. All right, nobody ever in three returns has averaged 65 yards or per return. Unbelievable. Totaling 195 yards. Just a great day for Naheem Hines, and that made everything else possible for, for the Colts because Naheem Hines got into the end zone twice the Colts were able to just focus on running the ball and running the ball and running the ball. And because the Panthers' defense sucks and their offense was worse, how about Pierre Desir with two picks? Immediately after, I tweet and say that Pierre Desir was nominated as the Colts' Walter Payton Man of the Year. Not or for a reason other than his hands. Immediately after that, he gets his first interception. And then not long after that, he gets his second. So I like to think that I had something to do with that. Uh, But this game was out of hand early. The Panthers, no discipline whatsoever. Uh, The uh, Will Greer fella starting at quarterback was absolutely terrible. And then on, on the defensive side of the ball, you had a ridiculous set of circumstances. Vernon Butler uh, is blocked into Avon by uh, Mark Lewinsky. Butler takes exception. Jack Doyle's laying on the ground. He mistakes Glowinski for Doyle. Both have a number ending in four. Both have full beards. And he hits Jack Doyle in the head. He punches him in the head. And so he's sent packing by the officials. He, he gets disqualified. Second guy to have this happen to him. This happened to Vontez Perfect. Oddly, these two guys with the same initials, VB. I don't know. It's odd. I don't think it has anything to do with punching people. I don't think that 
people with the initials VB necessarily go off and hit their opponents. But in this case, uh, Vernon hits Jack Doyle, he gets kicked out of the game, and he leaves the field flipping off the fans. There's no way this guy is going to be suspended. What a complete buffoon. What an idiot. And and so the uh, the Panthers have to play without him. I don't think he would have helped. But the Colts, they win this game 38-6. to and, and good for the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be bad come draft time. But good for the Colts that they got this win over an absolute, uh, absolutely atrocious team who lost their seventh in a row. Then we got the other end of the spectrum. Last night in Milwaukee, the Indiana Pacers were not very good in the second half. In the first half, they were terrific. Really good, fun first half. A lot going on that was good for the Pacers. And then the second half came, and it was not so good. The Pacers, they got outscored 58-34 in the second half. Tomas Sabonis, one of the few bright spots throughout the game. 19 points, 18 rebounds. The Pacers shot five foul shots. Um, the Bucks literally did everything better than the Indiana Pacers in their 117-89 win. Doug McDermott, pretty good. Like I said, Sabonis, pretty good. Other than that, not good whatsoever. Edmund Sumner, I, I got worries about Edmund Sumner. You got to like Edmund Sumner, but he doesn't defend well, and offensively he has challenges. When he's in, in the rotation, it's tough for the Pacers to be competitive. Although, last night, during Sumner's 19 minutes, the Pacers were a plus two. I don't know how that happened. That The plus-minus statistic, I think, is absolutely without value whatsoever. Uh, so, the Pacers, they've got the Raptors tonight at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. If they can beat the Raptors, you know what? This four-game stretch... Tough four-game stretch, right? You had the Lakers in there, the Bucks in there, the Raptors in there too. You win three of those four games, you feel really good about where you are as a team, and they got a chance to get that done tonight at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Also at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, we had the Crossroads Classic. What a couple of games these were. Let's talk about Indiana first. Indiana beats Notre Dame 62-60. to Armand Franklin was terrific. 17 points. He hit a three late, and uh, as a result, the the Hoosiers get over the hump against Notre Dame after building a 17-point lead and then gacking it up entirely. Frank, uh, Devontae Green hit a couple of tough shots. Devontae Green is going to do enough good where you think you need to put him on the floor, but is he good in the aggregate for Indiana and their program? That's a terrific question. And it's a fun bar question. It's a great bar debate, right? One thing that can't be debated, Armand Franklin was terrific on Saturday afternoon and really, really good late. Uh, six shots he took on his way to those 17 points. That is efficiency, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so Indiana gets this win. What's it mean? Well, at least it means they didn't lose. There were some things that Indiana did really, really wrong. What Notre Dame did wrong is for the majority of the first 24 minutes of this game into the second half, they played a soft-ass 2-3 zone that Indiana literally should have scored against every single possession. Sometimes they got greedy, took early shots, 
if they hadn't done that, if they just pop, 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 get the ball into the middle, the whole thing wilted, and you were scoring easy buckets the entire game. Why Notre Dame insisted on staying in that zone when it proved to be completely ineffective in stopping the Hoosiers, I don't know. You'd have to ask Mike Bray. Maybe it's that they only run like a seven-man rotation, and he thought playing man against Indiana for 40 minutes was going to wear his guys out. I don't know. But that defense, that zone, should have been absolutely destroyed each and every possession as long as they were in it. Indiana didn't get that done. They beat that zone maybe 60% of the time. That was enough to build that 17-point lead. And then when Notre Dame went into that man, all of a sudden the game changed. And that 17-point lead all of a sudden became a Notre Dame lead. And Indiana had to fight from behind to get the win against a team that had already lost three games. Notre Dame, not a terrible team, not a great team. Indiana gets the win. They better get their heads out of their asses. They better figure it out. Because defensively, they occasionally looked lost. Offensively, they had what I would consider bad possessions. And Indiana is not good enough. They are not talented enough to beat people with their talent. They're going to have to beat teams with their execution. And once we get to Big Ten play and those coaches are locked in on what Indiana does and what they don't do well, <sighs> there's a reckoning coming for Indiana. I know they're 11-1. and They got one game left in the non-conference portion of the schedule against Arkansas this coming Sunday. But they had better figure some things out because if they don't, they're going to wind up on the wrong end of a bunch of ass whoopings once they get to Big Ten play. What you're hoping for, if Indiana can get past Arkansas and they can get to 12-1, and that you can cobble together another 10 wins. If you can go 10-8, and once you go to kind of that sweet 18 in Big Ten play after the first of the year, if you can get 10 wins out of those, you win 22 you go to the NCAA tournament and you cycle out more of the Tom Crean guys who seem to be the problem children for this program. Seem to be the guys who just don't have kind of their heads wired in to what Indiana needs to get done. This is a team that I, th- I think this program is going to continue to evolve forward as guys continue to leave. But it's it's going to be a, a really difficult year this year, I think. Tough to watch these games, despite the wins. Indiana's a tough watch for Indiana fans. There's no doubt about that. The second game, let's just get off Indiana for a bit. The second game, Butler and Purdue. This was uh, after an early, really good start by Purdue. Butler owned this thing. Butler was really, really good uh, throughout the last 30 minutes of the game. Uh, they beat Purdue 70-61. to 61. Both teams, I thought, defended well. No Matt Harms for Butler. That had an effect on the game. I thought Derek Smits, in limited, limited play, looked like a guy who's going to give Laval Jordan some defensive flexibility, which is good. Uh, Kamar Baldwin, not a great game. But you know what? Their defense is good enough to win games. They are fundamentally sound defensively at a level where they're going to win games, even when Kamar Baldwin misses a bunch of shots, they did that. Uh, Butler got to the line an extra 12 times. 
that was kind of the difference in the game. Only seven more free throws made, but there, there is kind of your story that Purdue just a little bit too eager to foul. Butler, I thought, played really well. So Butler, one loss as well. Purdue with a bunch of losses. But you know what? Despite those losses, look, the schedule for Purdue has been withering. They are a good basketball team, and they are going to get better. You look at, at Purdue and Indiana, and it calls me to say this, but I think by the time we get to March, you're going to see Purdue up here and Indiana down here. And that doesn't need to be the case. Indiana's just kind of got to figure it out. What the hell? All right, I'm going to go back to Indiana for a minute. 3.2 seconds left. Indiana's got the ball out underneath the, uh, the bucket that Notre Dame attacks. And so you've got two guys. You've got Rob Finnessy and Al Durham, both like at 85% from the foul line. Notre Dame is going to have to foul. Indiana up by two. You knock down those two free throws, and the game's over. What do they do? They inbound to Justin Smith. Justin Smith, a 60 to 65% foul shooter, goes to the line, misses the front end of the one and one. What the hell was he doing with the ball, and what the hell was he doing in the game? Put your best foul shooters out there. That means Justin Smith and Devontae Green have to go sit down. They don't sit down. The ball's inbounded to Justin Smith, and as a result, Notre Dame's got a shot at the end to win the damn game. What the hell kind of coaching is this? What are we doing? I mean, how far up his own ass does Archie Miller have his head to have that ball inbounded to Justin Smith? It's incomprehensible, for God's sake. All right, let's celebrate some birthdays. The great Nick Anson celebrating a birthday, December 23rd. Who in Lake Bluff doesn't remember the birthday of Nick Anson. All right, uh, by the way, also, not only are we celebrating birthdays, but the beginning of Hanukkah. How about that? Happy Hanukkah. Uh, Joe Cutshaw, happy birthday. Joe Loy, Russ Sedbrook, happy birthday. Diane Nichols Hyde, happy birthday. The great Diane Nichols Hyde. Uh, Gordon Radford, Shane Hughes, Reese Gwynn, Brett Bowers, and the great Steve Bray. Happy birthday. If today's your birthday, You celebrate like hell. If it's not your birthday, you celebrate somebody else. That's best done with an honest and a specific compliment. For God's sake, oops. You know what? I got to tell you, not to go all Mike Pence on everybody, but I'm very humbled. The amount of feedback I've gotten from people who've read the book, really humbling. Very, very nice of people to reach out, tell me that they read it and enjoyed it. Um, You know what you don't want? You don't want texts from people saying, hey, I bought your book, and boy, what a complete and utter waste of money. You you don't want to hear that from people. When they say, you know what, this is really interesting. It took me back to my childhood. It reminded me of my own experiences, and it reminds me of the lessons that I've learned in my life. That's very nice. And I laughed at your, uh, your mistakes and your misadventures. Very nice. Thank you very much. That is just wonderful. Makes me feel very good. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you haven't gotten it yet, I hope you do. And then I hope you enjoy it. Today out there, you know what? It's going to be nice for the holidays, right? We'll talk to you uh, this afternoon. Uh, Sports, nothing but sports, right at about 3 o'clock.